0: You are listening to an interview with Childlife Mommy in episode 13 of the Childlife on Call podcast.
1: Oftentimes when we go there's been a few instances where my, every trick that I can use every tool it doesn't work. It just doesn't work and I I am left feeling Defeated and frustrated with myself because here I am a certified child life specialist and I have this blog And I have these resources. I do community work. I have the private practice and none of it worked for my kids and um, And I feel you know just unsuccessful as a parent too. like oh my god. How come it didn't work? And as I reflect on it, I often kind of go through Okay, this these are the things that didn't work, but here are the things that did work You know, and just coming to like the very basics of like, I was honest, I held them in a comfort hold. They cried and they had a really hard time, but it was okay.
0: Hi, and happy Child Life Month. I am so, so happy to have you here listening in on today's episode. Over the past 12 episodes, we've heard from some amazing parents, but today's episode will be just a little bit different. In honor of March and the fact that it is Child Life Month, I'm going to feature an incredible woman and child life specialist, Shannie Thornton, from Childlife Mommy. Along with being the author of the children's book, It's Time for Your Checkup, What to Expect When You're Going In for a Doctor's Visit, Shannie is a big voice in the child life world. If you follow Child Life on any sort of social media, you've probably come across her website, childlifemommy.com. In today's episode, you will hear her talk about her child life career, her current private practice and community-based programs, and of course, her life as a mom. So without further ado, let's just get started, and here is my conversation with Shani.
1: So my name is Shani Thornton. I've been a certified child life specialist for a little over 10 years. I got into the field in a very random way, like most of us have, Um, I was working as a recreation therapist assistant at a local children's hospital in San Diego and during my time there I remember feeling like there was something else I was supposed to be doing and I couldn't quite figure out what it was. Um, So I started just really connecting with all of the staff there and I was trying to figure out is it nursing, is it OT, is it speech? is, you know, what is it? I couldn't figure it out. And I remember we had a patient who was referred to the main hospital. We are on campus. That's a convalescent hospital. And she was referred to Child Life for an upcoming um, medical procedure. And I was like, wait, what's Child Life? And I said, I got to figure this out. I went home immediately. I looked it up and everything i read about it just resonated like very deeply with me and i'm like this this is it this is what i'm supposed to be doing so basically i did my research um and i went to grad school at bank street college of education in new york and started doing my volunteer work there during school got my internship and then just fell in love with the profession it is like I live and breathe child life. I love it. Um, so that's basically <laughs> my entrance into it, and I totally do it um, in a non-traditional way. I'm very much outside of the box um, type of specialist.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. How? What is your role as a child life specialist now?
1: So currently, I am very much in a community-based setting. I have done a million different things outside of the traditional role um, with being in the hospital. So I have a private practice that I launched in New York. I currently live in California, which I moved here about seven months ago. So I'm in the works of relaunching it here. But it was probably about six years ago that Um, while I was working in the hospital, of course i be, you know, I became pregnant and I was so excited to be a a new mom. Um, and I thought for sure I was going to stay home for that first year with my son. And, um, and I did, and I loved it. And it was just, it was an amazing time for us, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't willing to go back into the hospital yet. I didn't want to be away and miss all of those little milestones. And fortunately I was, lucky enough that my husband um, financially could kind of take care of you know, the finances so that I could stay at home and um, enjoy more time with him. But within that first probably year and a half, I was really um, aching to get back into the child life world. And I couldn't quite figure out how to do it um, with being a full-time parent. So I started kind of just working with my, my friends that I met at like Gymboree and we had, you know, all these little babies the same age. And, you know, many of them had to go to, you know, their wellness visits and some of them had some surgery. So I was, you know, talking to them about how to prepare them, how to um, provide some coping strategies. And kind of from there, it just, I started thinking like, wow, I could really kind of do this outside of the hospital. And, um, I, Eventually found a bereavement program through a local children's hospital, and I started volunteering with them. So I did that for about six years as a bereavement facilitator, and it was it was amazing. I was doing a lot of my child life work with them, um, and it was fantastic. And also within those six years, um, it's been probably about five years now, I launched a parenting and child life blog and website called childlifemommy.com. And really, that was the foundation of taking my work from the hospital and taking it to a much broader community um, community setting. It was my soapbox to kind of stand on and talk about all the amazing things that child life specialists do, like how you can ask for us when you go to the emergency room for um, for your child. How if there's not a child life specialist, these are some great tools that you can do prior to a hospital visit this is what you can do to advocate for your child in hospital these are things that you can do post um hospital experience and i just started doing a lot of writing and blogging that way and um creating a lot of different things within the within the community
0: it's it's really impressive how you did that. You basically took a blog and made it into a business. And because I feel like you were one of the, I don't know, but you're one of the most known kind of community-based child life specialists. And I feel like you're like one of the first in our field, and you may not be, but to be so present online and social media and be able to kind of connect other child life specialists with your resources as well.
1: Yeah, I think that that was my main goal. Once I started doing it, I was kind of confused as to why it wasn't already being done. There were a few, there were already a few small child life bloggers out there, but I really poured my heart and soul into it and I kind of was like, I am really going to get this out there. I want people to know about our field and that also was, you know, educating educating the child life profession. I would, once I launched the blog, I was like, why are, why are child life programs on social media? Why are, why don't they have a Facebook page? You know, everybody can gain some amazing resources. People don't even know a child life program exists within the hospital, but a lot of people are on social media. So let's get there and connect it together. So I started doing a couple of um, presentations, both at the regional child life conference in you and in sorry, in New York. And also, um, in uh, Cincinnati. I did one there too about child life and um, social media.
0: You touched on this a little bit about kind of becoming a mom and how that impacted your role as a child life specialist um, and probably vice versa, being a child life specialist and then becoming a mom. Can you talk a little bit about that for us?
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I remember as a student, (laughs) one of my um, advisors would you know, constantly kind of remind us, none of us were parents at the time, but, um, they would, she would say, you know, be mindful that when you're in a hospital and you're working with a family, if a parent feels like at some point they cannot talk to you because they just say like, you're not a parent, you really don't get it. She said, don't take offense to it, just accept it and kind of work work with the situation, because sometimes a parent needs to feel connected with another parent. And if you're a working child life specialist and you're not a parent, they might feel like you really don't get it. And I remember thinking to myself while um, interning and going through the going through the Bank Street program as well as working, well, I do get it. I feel like I do get it. I'm very supportive with these parents, and um, I can I can see it from their perspective but it wasn't, I swear it was the second I held my son in my arms after I gave birth. I was like, oh my God, I get it. Like, I get it. Like, I totally get it. I'm a parent now. I get it. And it just, it, it was, it was, it was an awesome feeling. It was this connection, this aha moment I had. Um, but I have to say being a parent and, being a child life specialist, I do a lot of prep and play, and you know, do all of the the stuff that we would do in in a normal, you know, hospital setting. I do it with my kid at home, and before a medical visit, you know, I would prepare him for, it and we do all our medical play. And sometimes it worked, but sometimes it didn't work. And I remember feeling, and I still do to this day. My kids are now um, five and a half and nine, so. They very much understand my role as a child life specialist. They know that I will give them the information, prepare them, all of the stuff that they need. But oftentimes when we go, there's been a few instances where every trick that I can use, every tool, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And I am left feeling defeated and frustrated with myself because here I am, a certified child life specialist. And I have this blog and I have these resources. I do community work. I have the private practice and none of it worked for my kids. And, um, and I feel, you know, just unsuccessful as a parent too. Like, oh my God, how come it didn't work? And as I reflect on it, I often kind of go through, okay, this, these are the things that didn't work, but here are the things that did work, you know, and just coming to like the very basics of like, I was honest. I held them in a comfort hold. They cried and they had a really hard time, but it was okay. We we got through it. So I try to look at the little successes that I had, even in those moments where I feel like nothing worked and um, remind myself that that this is part of being human beings, right? Like these things aren't always going to be perfect. So if you're a child life specialist and you're a parent and sometimes your stuff does not work, it's okay. Right. It's, it's okay. Just being present with your child is so much more powerful, you know, being able to, um, talk with them before and after and having that open communication, validating their emotions and their feelings. That stuff is, is doing tremendous, um, you know, tremendous work for them, but both, both in that moment, but also in the future for them.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you speaking to that because I feel like as a child life specialist and a mom, we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Um, So it's nice for us to kind of come together and and talk about how, you know, you can go by the book and you can do everything right according to theory, according to practice, but it doesn't always work out that way. Um, And I think once you become a parent, you become much more empathetic to yourself as a child life specialist when you're actually in a room, in the emergency room, you know, you're trying every trick in the book. It's not working, but you can kind of transfer that experience as a parent to being a life specialist and give yourself a little bit of grace and say, you're right. Here are the few things that did work while I was in there. Um, I think we can be our hardest critic when we're <laughs> um, in child life because we just want it to work. Uh, we just want what we do work so that these kids can cope in a positive way. And we want to prove to staff that our practices work. They make a difference. We want them to see that what we do is really useful. It really is. and um, But I appreciate you talking about that because man, <laughs> we all feel that way.
1: Yes. It's, it's just pure, you know, being vulnerable, right? You're being right. so vulnerable. And especially if you're in a setting where the The physicians and the nurses they know your background. They know you're a child life specialist. I have had a lot of connections um, with with our our pediatrician, and and they they knew what I did, and I would you know try to preach it for them on how to help them you know utilize some of these practices within their own setting. And then it wouldn't work for my own kid, and I'm like, ah. Of course. Like, you know. <laughs> but I promise you, I swear it does work. Um, but you know, it, but then there's, uh, there's a lot of successful um, stories that have come from it. So I kind of just have to say, it's okay. Like, don't beat yourself up too much. So um, I think that's important for, you know, for every parent and for every child life specialist to, to realize that um, there are little successes and we need to recognize those and you just reflect on them. And then how can you make those other challenges that didn't work, maybe we can change it a little bit to try to work better the next time.
0: Sure. I love that. Um, and even if you are a childhood specialist and you're not a parent or don't plan to be a parent, um, I think you can take some of the kind of advice that you were saying about focus on the little successes and apply it to your, to your practice. But, um, would you mind um, talking about all the different hats you wear <laughs> as a community-based child life specialist? Um, some of your favorite things and what your different roles are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's funny. I do. I feel like a Mad Hatter. Um, what hat am I wearing at the moment? Uh, so, being in a community-based setting, I do a lot of different things, right? So, I I was the bereavement facilitator for almost six years. I created the, the the Child Life Mommy website and blog. I'm very much on social media with um, Child Life Mommy and kind of advocating, sharing resources, articles, videos, anything I can get out there um, that will help parents advocate, that will kind of educate medical team members. will also give empathy to both, to kind of just that family-centered care foundation. I just like to to get it out there on social media as much as I can. Um, I'm also an adjunct faculty member at Bank Street. So I've been doing that for probably about five-ish years. And I helped co-create a um, a course on therapeutic play techniques for child life specialists that when we went from the face-to-face program, we put it on an online format. So we're all online right now. Um, I helped to create, co-create that with my, um, co-teacher and have been teaching, co-teaching that course for the last, um, three years. So that's another hat that I'm wearing. So I'm with the students. Uh, I do a lot of presentations, um, both at child life regional conferences, as well as national and various other conferences. So, um, you know, for teachers and, um, you know different types of medical professionals. Um, I also do a lot of work within the community, presentations and workshops, at anything from like a community fair to uh, like a mommy and me group or at a library, um, at schools. And it's a great it's a great way for me to kind of not just talk about child life, mommy so much, but I, I'm really there to kind of um, you know, educate them about the child life field, but if there's like a specific topic. So oftentimes it's just like the basics, you know, of vaccinations of, um, of wellness visits, like how we can help give these parents and educators some tools to help their kids, um, different topics on play. Like I'll, I'll do a lot of different little workshops that way. I will also love to do school visits, and that's oftentimes just like in my kids' classrooms. I'll go in, and um, I'll talk about being a child life specialist, and the kids, you know, there'll be like 25 kids. They're all raising their hand. Oh, I got a shot, or oh, my brother broke his arm, or my dad, you know, was, had surgery. They're all connected to it, and it's such an aha moment for the teachers in the classroom because they're like, oh, my God, like you really have a lot of knowledge and um, skills that could serve serve these kids in the school. And I'm like, yes, a child life specialist can also be in a school setting. So it's just like planting seeds everywhere. Um, I wrote a children's preparation book called, um, it's time for your checkup, what to expect when going to a doctor visit. And this is a wellness visit book. I I remember taking my son to his checkup at four years old. And it was very different from his three-year-old checkup, right? So they added vision screening. They added uh, a urine sample. They added a blood pressure cuff and I had prepped him up and down for everything, but I didn't know about those, those specific ones. And of course the one he freaks out on is pain in a cup, like really like pain in a cup, threw him all off. And I just thought to myself, wow, I had everything planned he was even ready for the blood draw and the vaccination, but how come we don't have a resource for parents? Like, why don't we have a book that has visual pictures, not, you know, of, um, characters, but of, of real photographs of kids going through this and giving them very simple language, explaining what it is. And I'm like, I'm just gonna do it myself. So I went ahead and worked with our pediatrician, created the book, made sure that I highlighted, um, steps to a vaccination as well as steps to a blood test, and then provided information in there to not just the kids, but to the parents too, and, uh, medical staff about coping strategies, right? Of like how to distract them, what types of things to distract them with, um, positions for comfort, um, using empowering and, um, and language that has empathy in it, you know, instead of you know, don't cry, <laughs> you're a big girl, um, saying crying's okay. That hurts, like just validating their emotions. So I went ahead and created that book, which um, has been has been a great asset um, for a lot of different a lot of different people, both locally but also globally. It's kind of kind of going to where it needs to go. Um, it's also a great social story for kids with special needs who are on the autism spectrum um spectrum. So it's very clear and concrete and it gives them a step-by-step of what to do. So that's been put on um a few autism sites, such as Autism Um Speaks. It's on there. Um, I'm also another hat. Oh, these mad hatters. <laughs> I am the chair for the private practice subcommittee under the mega committee ready community-based non-traditional role um from the aclp so it's an exciting thing that i've been part of for the past three years and it's just collaborating with other specialists who are in a community-based setting and trying to gather data and information and and get some resources together that we can eventually present to the aclp board to hopefully um be approved and then and then have it on their website so that we can have these resources to other specialists out there. So that takes up um, some other time. Of course, I have the private practice that um, I launched in New York a few years ago. So I'm just providing that in-home child life service for families going inside their homes and working with them, doing the same stuff that I would do within a hospital I'm doing in their home environment. It is Amazing. There's a lot of things that I've learned. Um, it's a business. So you're kind of learning the business side of it, but it's it's such a fantastic experience to work with families and their home environment and really see how you can um, <clears throat> connect with kids in just a different way. When they're in a hospital, it's so different than when they're home. So that's been a really great adventure that I've been doing. And then, of course, since some of those parents I can't go to their homes, I'll do like, you know, um, Skype with them and, and connect with them through email and work through them um, that way. But the latest thing, the latest hat that I have taken on, because, you know, I don't have enough, um, is working with the Standish Foundation for Children. And this is a nonprofit whose mission really is a family centered care approach on. Um, on having a curriculum, right? And they educate and they train medical team members both locally, but really globally to, um, provide kind of like the foundation of, of child life and, um, to teach them and educate them to also provide some of those resources for playrooms, um, to these different sites. So I've been working with them doing their social media and marketing and, um, helping them get some other programs started. So, Lots of different hats. And then, of course, the biggest hat that I probably wear all the time is I'm a parent 24-7. So my two kids um, take up a lot of my time. And I try to do all this other crazy stuff when they're in school or they're asleep. Um, But I love it. It's a great balance. uh, and, and And I'm able to do so much and feel like I'm filling both my parenting cup but also my child life cup.
0: You do a lot of things, and a lot of them just make so much sense and as a child life specialist who works in the hospital, I'm so appreciative that there is someone like you who's out in the community doing it too, because really, you know people only know about us if they have to have a hospitalization. Um, but otherwise they typically don't, you know, we're constantly explaining what we do to people we meet in the grocery store to um even pediatricians sometimes that don't know, or dentists, or it doesn't matter who it is. So the fact that someone like you exists is, is really amazing. So thank you for all you do. Um, wow, well, thank um, you. I appreciate I kinda it. I kind of like to know um, just from your private practice and kind of your experience as a childhood specialist, what would be like the top three things that you would share with parents that they could do to either impact a well visit or a hospitalization? Um, Can you kind of consolidate and tell us three of your favorite tips?
1: Um, I think honesty is the first one. You got to be honest with your kid. You're not taking them to a birthday party. You're taking them to go get their flu shot. You need to be honest with them. It's so important. Oftentimes, um, you know, parents are just scared of what their child's reaction is going to be. So they don't want to, they're kind of withholding that information. But in reality, you you got to give kids credit. They can process this stuff. If, if you come from a very nurturing and supportive way, um, then they're going to be able to receive that information and find a way to cope with it. You know, they, they have to get through these challenges in life. But if you're not honest with them, then how can they trust anybody? So that's that's number one. Um, I think number two would be, um, you know, any sort of medical play exposure that you can give to them, especially if you know that they're going in for, um, you know, just a wellness visit or they're going to get their flu shot or, you know, they're going for an upcoming surgery. You, to provide stuff at home, you um, in a in a way that it's not, you don't have to be so much prep for it if you don't have all the information, but just play, like go get a doctor's kit, fill it with real stuff too, like band-aids and tape and gauze and let kids get explore and and let them play both the role, whatever role they want to play and just let them explore. I think that, that kids need that medical play experience. I mean, reading a book is great Watching video clips on it is fantastic, too. But when kids are able to get in there and explore and play, that's going to really help them um, process what that experience is going to be like. So medical play would be two. I think the third one would be um, advocating. Oh, my God. Parents, you guys know your kids better than anybody. Just because the doctor has a white coat and they have all these degrees, and they're incredibly smart, and they talk to you about these different um, medical things, and you're like, what are you saying? You're, you know your kid, though, so much better than they do. You know everything about them. You know their coping style. You know what, what they like, what they don't like. And the m- biggest thing I would say is to just communicate and advocate for your kids. Give them a voice. You know, if you don't feel comfortable having your child held down, for a shot, then say that. Like, no, hey, you know what? Can we try something different? Can I hold my child on my lap? Can my child hold the tongue dispenser, um, depressor, and suppressor in his mouth while he gets a, a throat swab? You know, can like, just giving your child a voice is going to do a couple things. One, it's going to help you make that connection with your, your doctor. A lot of times they're like, oh, wow, I didn't know this. I didn't think about that. So thank you. And it's also going to teach your child the skills of advocating for themselves so that when they get a little bit older, that they're able to do that and, and do it in a respectful manner that, um, is going to help them get through a lot of difficult challenges.
0: I love that. Those are three really good things. Well, thank you so much. Um, is there any place? Um, I know you mentioned your website, childlifemommy.com, um, and that you're on social media, I think, as Childlife Mommy on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. But is there any other way that people can get in contact with you or talk to you? Or if they want to reach out to you, is that okay?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can always shoot me an email at childlifemommy at childlifemommy at com. But if you're on social media, I'm um, yeah, I'm definitely on there. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I have the blog. You can always sign up for the email notifications. There's a lot of great resources on there too. I, I really like to highlight other organizations and programs and um, phenomenal information that like even it comes across, you know, in my screen and I'm like, oh my God, this is great. Like I wanna get in on my blog and and highlight them and and promote them too, in a sense of like letting people know it's out there. So yeah, definitely come check me out. You can shoot me an email and anything I can do to help out. I'd love to do.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to my conversation with Shani. I will link to her book, social media pages and contact information on the show notes page. As always, please make sure you're following along with Child Life on Call on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so you can get the latest updates about what's happening with this podcast. I always love connecting and hearing from you all. Have a great week.